Always a pleasure to have you on. I am Pius Kojobaka. On to our very first story. Government has announced that it is reopening the debt exchange program, particularly for investors who didn't sign up in the February uh, uh, program this year. Now, the finance ministry in a statement noted that the opportunity will also cover holders of the ESLA PLC and Dachi Trust. The ministry added that government is aware of the number of holders of these bonds who did not participate in the earlier offer on time and therefore were left out. Let's get on to Zoom and speak to economist Dr. Patrick Esumen for more on this. Dr. Patrick Esumen, uh, pleasure you could join us on the marketplace. Now, in your assessment, what do you think may be encouraging government to keep the reopening of the domestic debt exchange program, you would say? Good afternoon and good afternoon to viewers. Thanks for having me. I think it's, it's a signal that, you know, government has had difficulties with restructuring other components of, of the debt. Mm. And you know, go ahead. Yes. So earlier on, the when the when it closed in February, we were told that this was very successful. Mm. So to have the government come back after the finance minister had back in the spring meeting denied that there would be no second round, it, it just tells you that there are some difficulties meeting the restructuring or the volume of restructuring in some other places. So. Even though the, the statement is trying to say the government is trying to help out those who couldn't take up the, the offer the first time, it, it's, you, know, you get the sense that government is really struggling to restructure the substantial amount of the standard debt. That's why it's been forced to bring this back. I see. What kind of signal uh, does such actions, as you've rightly spelled out, um, send to investors, uh, basically? I think overall... You know, it's quite problematic when, you know, we seem to be doing some back and forth and to be flip-flopping a little bit. So, you know, at some point, it's clearly communicated that this is done, this is good, we are well, good to go. And then suddenly it comes back. And then sometimes you get some rumors that this is coming back. And then, you know, there's some denial and it comes. I think all of those are not helpful in terms of, you know, the policy communication. I think it, it just tells us that you know the government definitely wants to meet the want to reduce the, the the debt as much as it can, and it won't shy away from imposing more of the burden on the, on Ghanaians. Now, would you describe this latest opening um, as a good move that may yield the targeted results? despite the fact that the finance minister had earlier indicated that we aren't going to um, have another round? I think I won't describe this as a, a, a very good, a good move. I think, you see, there, there are different things we can do to bring down the debt. We've done domestic debt exchange. We have to grow the economy. And then we have to cut the size of the deficit. So if we had cut the deficit substantially for this current year and going forward, maybe it would have been so necessary to come back to do domestic debt exchange. Or if the economy was growing as much as uh, it could have, we, this wouldn't have been necessary. So I think that it's a reflection that other things haven't gone as well as they should have gone. And, you know, for me, I would have preferred that we, we probably focus a little bit more on expenditure cuts because don't forget that this GDP, 
more DDP actually hurts the financial system. Mm. And it's going to delay. It seems um, Dr. Patrick Isumain's line has frozen. Um, we will rectify that and have him back on stream to speak to the issues for us. But basically, it has to do with the reopening of the um, domestic debt exchange program for investors who didn't sign up earlier to that um, initial um, reopening of the debt exchange program for investors. We will visit that story subsequently. But let's touch on this story. And prices of diesel and liquefied petroleum gas are expected to go up by 1% and 4% respectively from Saturday, 16th September. That's a projection by the Institute for Energy Security, IES. However, the price of petrol is likely to remain unchanged during the second pricing window. The impeding increases are coming on the back of an increase in international market prices of diesel and LPG, coupled with a 0.7% depreciation of the CD to the dollar during the same period. Joining us via Zoom now is the executive director of IES, Nana see the seventh, for more on this. Nana, a pleasure you could join us on the marketplace. First off, tell us the rationale behind the expected marginal increase in the prices of diesel and LPG. That's for having me this afternoon. The IES has been monitoring the Standard and Poor's platform mm. and, uh, over the last two weeks and found that the price of gas oil on the international market went up by 3.3%, moving from about $930 per metric ton to $943 per metric ton. The price of LPG also moved up from $557 per metric ton to $570 per metric ton. And so the price of these key products on the international market has gone up as induced by the rising crude oil price. The last two weeks, we had the average price of crude oil going for about $84. At the close of the window, it went um, around $92 per barrel. And so these key changes uh, as some of the things that's informing the decision. We also realized that on the local forest market, the city depreciated by close to 1%. And so anytime you are looking at the direction of fuel prices, you may be mindful and uh, be concerned about how your forex is doing or your city is doing against the U.S. dollar, the greenback, as well as international price of these key commodities. And so international price of uh, fuel has gone up and the city has depreciated. That's reflecting the impending price increases. Mm. And in your projection, you did mention that the price of petrol, for instance, is going to remain unchanged. I want to know the dynamics. Why so? Of course, uh, we, we were lucky that on the international market, the price of gasoline, we call it petrol, mm. went down by 2%. However, um, and, and this 2% reduction should have brought some relief to consumers. But because the city depreciated against the greenback, that's, um, you know, comfort may not be experienced by consumers. So the price of gasoline is expected to remain stable. But then the oil marketing companies can choose to um, spread the rising across gasoline. And so we may also see price of gasoline go up just to compensate, the, you know, the cushioning of rising of the gas oil price. Mm. 
And how is the downstream petroleum industry faring, especially with this fluctuation in prices of petroleum products? Well, uh, what's, what's happening is that um, when prices are going up like this, the, um, if, the, if the working capital of the importers is the same and prices on international markets are rising, it means that they can bring less of their products against the previous uh, time. And it also means that they can give, uh, they can give some small parcels to the OMCs to also supply on the market. The next thing is that when the prices of uh, products goes up and the importers also hinge up their price to reflect international prices, the OMCs also struggle to buy larger quantities because their working capital are to be short up to accommodate the increases. And you, you sometimes find that as they struggle to get adequate supply to their station, we will see pockets of um, shortages as we have experienced over the last one year, um, mostly you find gold stations uh, without fuel. In spite of the gold oil program, gold is still struggling to make sure that enough uh, fuel is made available at their outlets. Mm. Let's stay a while longer with them. Are they making profit or breaking even uh, with its high fuel prices? Uh, you know, anytime uh, we can't speak for them, but the, the normal thing is that when the importers increase their price for the OMCs, they have two things to do. Either they transfer that cost to us or they absorb it. If they absorb, then of course they will make losses. But if they transfer to us, then of course it's the consumer that suffers. And the impact on consumers are quite, uh, you know, um, that as well. For a consumer, any time price of fuel goes up, your disposable income after taking out your transportation and fuel costs, it goes down. Also, transportation costs also surges. There will be some rising production costs and there will be inflation concerns as well on the side of the consumer and not the OMC if they mm. choose to uh, transfer the increased cost to the consumer. All right. Um, talking about the consumer, in this very projection you're making, um, how should they brace themselves? I, do, I know for a fact that Indeed, the increase you are making, uh, or you are projecting, is marginal. Well, for consumers, when prices are going up, you plan your, your, your daily routine um, so that you, you spend less of that. And you also want to uh, manage your fuel in such a way that uh, it's efficient. Um, you can choose to, uh, you know, uh, reduce the amount of time you, you put your air condition on. And you also plan your routine, like I mentioned earlier, that from work, I buy my stuff and come home and I reduce all the movements at some way to pushing consumers. They could also be looking out for some pumps and the OMCs that may be selling least price products. If you'll be looking at the top ones, uh, you may struggle. You may want to consider the smaller OMCs that are selling below um, the top uh, OMCs. I would want to mention MCA. Great. Thank you very much, Executive Director of IES Nanamwisi the Seventh, for your time here on the marketplace. Let's shift focus and touch on the story. Ghanaian traders have issued a two-week ultimatum to government to address allegations of harassment and intimidation by the Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority. The Ghana Union of Traders Association is particularly concerned about the continued harassment along the Accra Kumasi and Takrade Kumasi routes 
which um, has persisted since 2022. But the group claims the situation has led to the closure of numerous businesses in the Ashanti region. Mohammed Nuruddin has more. Ashanti Regional Financial Secretary of Ghana Union Traders Association, Maxwell Bamfo, enumerated challenges faced by traders in transporting goods on the Accra Kumasi Road. During a press conference in Kumasi, he noted the regional and national tax forces duplicate their operations, compounding the difficulties faced by traders. We were coming to force of the paperless system. We all heard the Vice President, Dr. Mohamed Dubaumia, telling the whole world of the removal of the custom barriers across the country. However, in the case of Ashanti region, the reverse has been the case. Since last year till now, there has been constant harassment and intimidations on the Accra Kumasi and Tabari Kumasi route. On the Accra Kumasi route, one has to contend with the Bunsu and Kubasi barriers. Beyond these two, there are now what they call the regional and national task force, all operating in a duplicative manner. The same applies to the Tabari Kumasi route beyond the Ayangwanta barrier. Goods with duties duly paid and fed at the port are many a time arrested by the task forces of custom leading to extortions, delays, re-examination, which result to heavy penalties slapped on owners of the goods. Mr. Bamfo explained that confiscated containers are frequently taken to the Abuabu yard of customs where owners are compelled to offload and reload at their own expense. This incurs significant financial losses is for traders. In many cases, such containers are taken to the Babu yard of the custom where owners are made to offload and reload at their own expenses. This has led to losses of several cities to the owners in transportation, offloading, reloading costs, and penalties of 300%. This has led to collapse of several businesses and location of others out of the region. What is worrisome is the fact that we pay the same duties as our counterparts in other parts of Ghana. Ashanti Regional Chairman of the Association, Antonio Pong, said if the government does not intervene within two weeks, a mass protest will be staged in the region. We are saying that me in my position as a third national president of Guta, I communicate with all my counterparts in the regions. Nothing of this sort is going on in other regions. So why only Ashanti region? So we think it's a deliberate policy or a deliberate agenda by some people to collect businesses in Ashanti region. That's why we are calling them to, we are giving them two weeks of meeting to ensure that this harassment stops. As we are going to call for the closure of all shops in Ashanti region for two weeks. After that, if we hear from the government, we are going to organize a massive demonstration the association has reported the issue to all relevant authorities but received no response hence the planned action to protect their businesses we've engaged everybody who matters in this issue our regional minister the assistant commissioner for the regions the bni director for the region we contacted uh, the business kitchen coordinator everybody who matters we've gone all the way to a crowd to meet the commissioner of customs himself and to no avail so the people think enough is left so now they are fed up that's the reason why you see what we are seeing report by mohammed 
Now, the Association of Ghana Industries is making a strong case for more alternative funding to support small and medium-scale enterprises. This, they say, will ensure sustainability and aid in the creation of jobs across all sectors of the economy. According to its chief executive officer, Seth Chumakwabwa, governments should provide more support to existing equity fund companies. He was speaking at a venture capital SME roundtable forum. The startup community has been growing in Ghana in recent years. This has come along with an increase in the amount of money flowing from VCs into startups. But there are some challenges faced by these SMEs. Limited access to finance and quality providers of technical assistance has been one of these challenges facing SMEs in the country. The Association of Ghana Industries say more skills and management capabilities is key to their expansion. The main traditional funding for businesses is the banking uh, sector or financial institutions that are providing short-term funding. In Ghana, you hardly get access to medium to long-term funding. So people on their own try to plow back whatever profit and grow organically. And that growth is very slow. And that's why we don't have big businesses doing big ticket business. So we need alternative funding that is more reliable, that, is, um, that could give capital in a, in a bigger way. And that is what has been lacking in the system. I know that venture capital has been with us for some time. And, and they are doing well now, but we've also known that over the years, the level of capitalization was not that strong. Because for if all this were we financed only up to about 70 businesses uh, for, for over 15 years of operation, then that's not sufficient if you look at the number of businesses that we have in Ghana. Of course, there are other smaller equity funds that are also available. But generally speaking, I think that venture capital is, is a major alternative funding source. But we've not had them in adequate numbers and in the volumes that really can resuscitate our business sector. Chief Executive Officer for Venture Capital Fund, Yao Ousubrimpon, said his outfit will embark on various projects to strengthen women SMEs and startups by providing financial and technical assistance. Generally, yes. But then the women in particular have their problem as much I mean, worse than uh, there are others. And so we have to make conscious efforts to make sure that uh, businesses owned by women, who businesses that are impact on uh, women are also funded. And so we've been working on that. And just yesterday, uh, our investment committee approved a 35 million funding into uh, a fund that is going to be managed by uh, a woman, or even if yet women, let me say. So the fund itself is being managed by women. And then most of the monies will go into uh, companies that are owned by women or that are majority owned by women. The SME Roundtable on Venture Capital as an alternative financing source for SME growth in Ghana aims to explore the tremendous potential of VC funding in accelerating growth and development of small and medium-sized enterprises in the country. James Sheen filed that report. Now, some stakeholders within Ghana's pharmaceutical industry have expressed worry that the operations will be grind to a halt if immediate steps are not taken to address port charges. They also expressed concern about access to loans from the banks to finance their goods at the ports. According to Chief Executive Officer of Flock Pharma Company Limited, Emmanuel T. Kenny, the importation of some pharmaceutical equipment can be made in Ghana, hence the provision should be readily available to push for more local content Within the industry, he spoke to Joy Business. It's on average about 6% of its GDP on healthcare infrastructure. 
the country's healthcare market is one of the most attractive markets in sub-Sahara Africa for foreign products and investment. Port charges of these medical infrastructure, according to these stakeholders, has been taking a toll on their operations. How do we capture the value we are creating? Therein comes the, the values we are bringing in the equipment. The capturing of the values, how to clear the equipment, and this is where we tie it into what you are saying, the high cost of inflation. I can give an example like last year, where all the was really hit hard because uh, all our things are in US dollars. So if we are importing, we were importing last year in June around six point something, and then you've given things on credit to all the hospitals. So by the time they pay you and you're supposed to repatriate dollars at 11.5, we've actually lost. So for last year, I think we had to renegotiate most of our contracts with our pre-existing clients, which we haven't done for over a decade of our existence. Ghana has a very limited local production of pharmaceuticals and even less manufacturing of equipment and devices. The country relies on imports for approximately 85% of its total of care consumption. Now, there are calls for more local content within the space. We have principals who we've brought to the country are interested. So if we could produce these things locally, and some of the regions we produce are just salt water with chemicals, which are not, I'm a chemist myself, so it's not so difficult to produce. So yes, if we could do these things locally, then this importation and always depending on the dollar becomes a thing of the past. And then secondly, um, for the particular industry that I I, I operate in, if we could have the national you know, it's a insurance and we know the challenges that they face, yes, if we could also have that sorted out. But the number one underlying factor is stability of the currency. Fluke Pharma Hospital, in all of this say they will deliver a consistent personal service that will exceed client expectations. More on SMEs, small and medium-scale businesses in the OT region have been urged to take advantage of opportunities presented by the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement after Alhaji Yusuf Yakubu, who is in charge of monitoring and evaluation from the AFTA National Coordination Office, organized a day's um, sensitization workshop for businesses um, as well as owners in the OT region. Peter Seno was there for Joy Business. It was a gathering of small and medium-scale business individuals in the OT region at today's sensitization program on the need to rebrand and meet acceptable standards in the export business with African continental free trade area. Alhaji Yusuf Yakubu is a monitoring officer from the National Coordination Office. He provides some explanations. It is important that we work to ensure that those who are already exporting to a European market or any other market without Africa will redirect them. Because we have, in fact, the single largest market in the world when we talk of Africa continental free trade area. In fact, it is 39 times size of Ghanaian market because it is estimated that the Ghanaian market is around 32 uh, million people. So if you are talking of uh, 1.2 billion, it means our Ghana market can be fixed into African markets 39 times. As we speak, we are preparing to consolidate the East African market by trying to embark on another market entry expedition to Tanzania. The same companies and different companies are going there so that we consolidate the markets 
East Africa or the gains that we made in East Africa through Kenya. DOT Regional Minister Joshua Makubu says with proper packaging, he expects participants to take advantage of the opportunities available to expand their business to a global reach. When the product from the um is being traded in the African market, it will mean that we have a larger market, there will be increase in demand, and when demand is increased, as we all know, basically, the prices also what go up. When that happens, then the cost of production, as compared to the gains, will be, will be less. And when that happens, it becomes attractive. In the area of the production of Sometimes, like OT region, especially in the Quantum municipalities, were noted from the, for the production of what Ani. I believe that if that Ani was properly packaged and taken to the African market, it would have added more value to it, and the cost of production would have become less as compared to what they gains. It would become a lucrative area for the teaming youth to want to engage themselves in. But when we are restricted to just the Ghanaian market, you realize that what can be put onto the market there, what will be sold there, will definitely be what limited. And for that matter, the prices will not be as competitive as we have wished as compared to the cost of production. And it will be a disincentive to the youth, especially who want to be able to make gains uh, at the least effort. So I feel that the coming of after is in the right direction. It is my prayer that by the end of the sensitization, uh, what they call a program, participants will learn to be able to package their products well and then not only putting them in the Ghanaian market, but the larger uh, African continental market that will make them competitive. Some participants have been sharing their views on the program. In fact, the program made me understand what is business. I cook food to sell. With this program, I may get a decent a motorbike who would deliver my food, and I'll go. I'll try to go go and get some app so that I can locate where my business is. With those are the beekeepers, the carpenters, and other things. I think we are going to form a big an association, so that it's not going to be only the dressmaking. No, we have another group. That is the, 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 the carpenters, they have something to be doing, they have the beekeepers. So with me and them, we collaborate and do more of the things so that uh, we see it after. And at least we can also come at front in the region and find a meeting so that we can export our things so that OT region can also go far. Peter Sen for Joy Business. And that's all for Marketplace. I am Pius Kujubaka. Get more stories when you log on to myjoyonline.com forward slash business to enjoy the rest of our programs. Bye.